Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. He's a sports editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Happy week 18, everybody. Or if you want to call it something else happy matt Nagy is getting fired eve whatever you want to call it the end of the nfl regular season is upon us and the bears are playing the vikings today in a game that means literally nothing at all i wish i was exaggerating it means nothing both coaches are getting fired we're going to talk all about it and we've got a lot more to talk about as well we got a lot of missouri valley news to talk about this week because we are loyal to student station We'll talk some Valley, we'll talk some Hoops, we'll talk some Bulls too because the Bulls are playing well on the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. It is awesome to be back with you. Yes, we've made it. The end of the NFL season is here, or should I say, the end of the Bears season is here. Bears play the Vikings today. The Bears are 6-10. and 10. The Vikings are, I don't even know what the Vikings record is. That tells you how into this game I am. Uh, the Vikings are 7-9. and nine. Um. Yeah, what else, I don't know what else there is to say because this game doesn't mean anything. I'm really not going to talk about the game that much. I'll have a prediction at the end of the show. Um. Yeah, what we're going to talk more about is Matt Nagy because that seems to be the story of the last, let's see, when did that patch.com report come out? The last six weeks? Yeah, it's been about six weeks that we've been talking about Matt Nagy's future, like, especially talking about Matt Nagy's future. And we are getting clarity on it. The consensus for this whole thing seems to be that he's gone. Bears playing it less than an hour. After that, maybe it'll be sometime this afternoon. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. I'm guessing it'd be tomorrow. But that's just me. My non-expert opinion says it would be tomorrow on Black Monday. But I, I really don't think... I'll be very, very, very surprised if Matt Nagy is around next year, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I know last year we were talking about possibly firing Nagy, and if it was me, I would have fired him last year. But they didn't, obviously. They kept Brian Pace around, too, because as Ted Phillips and George McCaskey said it in the press conference that Ryan and Matt are their football guys. So they stayed around, and... We're hearing some interesting rumors about Ryan Pace as well, but I want to play you some sound to back up this idea about Nagy today, as I seem to have done every week for the last, like, three weeks. Ian Rappaport today on NFL Game Day, he had some pretty definitive thoughts on Nagy's future. And, again, coming from Ian Rappaport, who's very dialed in, again, I want to say he's based in Chicago. So he's got a lot of contacts with the Bears in Chicago. Based on these comments, these seem pretty definitive. We didn't hear anything like this last year. That's the difference here. Last year, all the fans and everybody wanted Pace and Nagy gone, and for good reason. But now we're getting something definitive like this from one of the top insiders in the game. Here's what, here's what he said. For Chicago Bears coach Matt Nagy, he is likely coaching his final game today against the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, for Nagy, it has been certainly an up and down tenure. Four years, two playoff appearances, just one winning season, missed the playoffs 
again this year. Paramount as they search for new coaches. Who is going to be the leader for young quarterback Justin Fields? So there you have it. I don't think you get much more definitive than that. Basically, today is Matt Nagy's last game. And he had an interesting... Let me get the exact quote on this. I was trying to go off the top of my head. And he, in the press conference this week, I think it was Jason Leisure, asked Matt Nagy if he's going to be calling plays. And the answer that he gave... I want to find the full quote. Okay, here it is. It was, Matt, are, are you going to call plays? That is a yes or no question. I'm not going to call plays, no. And I might. If I decide to, I will. But we're going to let Bill go ahead. So we'll have a little fun out there. Does this guy just not think before he talks? I mean, let me read you. That was, that was a direct quote. I'm not going to call plays, no. And I might. If I decide to, I will. But we're going to let Bill go ahead. Bill obviously being Bill Lazor. You know, tomorrow... Here's the thing. I can understand people in press conferences not necessarily being comfortable behind a microphone. My uh, my brother's that way. And I think my sister is to an extent. I don't know if we've ever really talked about it because she doesn't really do much behind microphones. But my brother brought it up that he could never do it. We talked about this all the time. It's understandable to not be comfortable behind a microphone. But I, I think this is... That was an answer from a guy who knows that this is the end of his first coaching job. And I heard that, and I, I sat there just kind of like how I am now, just going, excuse me? So let's just run through the last few years here. 2018, awesome year. The Bears thought they found this innovative young coach who could turn a mediocre Mitchell Trubisky, who I was sold on at the time. You heard me come on these airways and defend Mitchell Trubisky until the end. Thought he could turn around young Mitchell Trubisky, get the offense turned around, and it looked like he was going to do that with a top-notch Super Bowl-caliber defense. Vic Fangio left for Denver that offseason, and we had news break this morning. Vic Fangio got fired from the Broncos today. So Vic Fangio left for a head coaching job. We see how that worked out. That left the defense in the hands of Chuck Pagano. Now Chuck Pagano said he was going to come in and kind of do what Fangio did and more, and he did the exact opposite. I will never to this day understand why you're dropping Khalil Mack, one of the best pass rushers in football, into coverage. Chuck Pagano comes in, the defense takes a few steps back, which means the offense needs to do more to help out the defense. Trubisky was still making rookie mistakes. The Bears went 8-8, eight and eight, then they went 8-8, eight and eight, and now this year they're 6-10. and 10. And if they finish with 7 wins, I'm going to be really disappointed because earlier in the year I did take their over 7.5 wins when they drafted Justin Fields, and I look like a moron. To say that these last few years have been a disappointment would be an understatement. And I go back to, I don't know if I've talked about this on the air. When Sean McVay was hired to coach the Rams, it sent a bolt of energy into the Rams and the NFL. Here's this young, hotshot coach who's doing really, really fun things with the offense. The offense is innovative, it's different, it's unpredictable, yet controlled. And they played in the Super Bowl, and he's got it running really well. That's when you see some of these names come up. Matt Nagy, Nick Sirianni, Brandon Staley. 
You could even throw Kevin Stefanski in there as well. All these young coaches, and I guarantee you I missed a couple, these young coaches that they want to come in, I'm not sure about it. And I'm looking through some of these names for replacing Nagy because it's going to happen. Nagy's going to be fired. We're going to be talking about replacements. I don't know if I want... Actually, no, I can tell you. I do not want another Matt Nagy in terms of a young guy who's had a few jobs in the NFL. And the thing with Nagy... So, it's funny. Yesterday was the anniversary of Nagy's hiring. Four years. Four-year anniversary of Nagy's hiring. And in the press release... And Cheryl Ray Stout shared this yesterday. She shared the press release, and I'm reading it. Here's the release from January 8, 2018. Chicago Bears general manager Brian Pace today, January 8th, announced the hiring of Matt Nagy as the club's 16th head coach in franchise history. Nagy, 39, has spent the last 10 seasons coaching in the NFL, all under head coach Andy Reid with the Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs. Whoops. Hang on. Let me read that again. Nagy, 39, has spent the last 10 seasons coaching in the NFL, all under head coach Andy Reid with the Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs. Now, let me ask you something when I read, when I read that to you. 10 years in the NFL, all with the same guy. He knows nothing else Besides the Andy Reid system, the Andy Reid offense that we hear so much about, the one that has run so well in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes under center. Andy Reid had never won a Super Bowl until a few years ago. So if you're the Bears and you're Ryan Pace, who was a who is proclaimed a football guy by management, why would you not think about the fact? And I didn't think about it at the time either. I know hindsight's always twenty twenty. That's just how it works. And I'm not saying I wouldn't have hired him for this. But what are you... Is that a question in the interview that you've worked 10 years in this league after... What was he? He was into real estate development or something. He wasn't even... He, he didn't get into coaching right away after he played at Delaware and in the Arena Football League. You've coached 10 years in this league under one guy. What else have you learned from other coaches that you've coached against? I mean, you a good head coach is a good head coach. And Andy Reid is one of the most well-respected coaches in the league. We hear so much about the Andy Reid tree. I still wonder why Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job. Besides offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, he should be a head coach somewhere. I said that last year, too. But one guy in 10 years, and now you come on your own, and you try to be Andy Reid. Prime example. What did Kansas City do with Patrick Mahomes? They sat him for a year behind Alex Smith. And then Patrick Mahomes became Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't have done that either. Because I was out here saying, sit Justin Fields the first four weeks. But it's different than sitting the whole year. And from the sounds of Nagy's answer, and I've read this a couple places, the plan was to sit Justin Fields all year. Here's the difference. Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech was a project. Justin Fields played in two college football playoff semifinals and a national championship. Justin Fields showed what he can do on that field. Patrick Mahomes was considered a project even at the time. I had never heard of Patrick Mahomes until he started doing what he was doing for the Chiefs. I don't remember the name in the draft that year. I keep trying to think back. Like, Do I remember hearing the name Mahomes? How do you forget a name like Mahomes when draft time comes around? I had not heard of Patrick Mahomes during that draft, so I cannot blame anybody 
for passing up on Patrick Mahomes. So when the Bears draft Justin Fields, who was my top choice, and he was actually my pie-in-the-sky choice, I didn't think they'd have a chance at him. They've got him, like, okay, now sit him a few weeks, let him, let him get used to the NFL game, and then throw him in. Throw him in as your starter. Oh, no, Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. Okay, the difference here, and this goes, this is at Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, Andy Dalton is not Alex Smith. Alex Smith, he was a capable starter who was known as a mentor to young quarterbacks. Andy Dalton is known as a great leader. I don't know much about his mentoring skills. He could be great for Justin Fields. Maybe down the road we'll say, okay, maybe it was a good thing they brought in Andy Dalton. But on the surface right now, you cannot follow the same exact blueprint that Andy Reid followed. But if you're Matt Nagy and you've coached in this league for 10 years before getting your head coaching job and you've coached under that one person, that's all you know. Maybe I'm being a little too over the top with this, and I know I've contradicted my own takes in here too, a little bit. But, man. We got a DM here from my buddy Jonah Blatt, the Bishop Emeritus of Blurs, who's our resident Lions and Red Wings and Tigers fan up in Detroit. Jonah says, in my opinion, Nagy getting fired doesn't matter if Pace isn't fired too. The state of the Bears is equally on him. Well, let's talk about Ryan Pace here because I'm hearing conflicting reports on this. So Brad Biggs at the Tribune, who is probably, no, he's not probably, he is the most dialed-in guy on the Bears beat. He has been for 20 years. He's hearing that a promotion could be in place whether it be to president of football operations or whether it be over to the business side, away from football. Now, yesterday, Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk, he dropped a line in his column that said maybe a demotion is in, is in place for Brian Pace. Maybe it could be he compared it to when Terry Bradshaw went to scouting. Maybe Ryan Pace can go to scouting. The moral of the story here is we don't know what's going on with Ryan Pace. The guy has been there for seven years. They have not won a playoff game. They've made the playoffs twice. And I want to say they've only had one. I think they've only had one winning season. It was 2018. To me, that's grounds for being fired. But again, I'm not one of their football guys. So I don't know what's going to happen with Ryan Pace. I would get him out of there. But I don't know. The other name to bring up is Ted Phillips because that was brought up in Florio's column as well. Could Ted Phillips leave? I know we've heard rumors this year about retirement. Yeah, we've, we've heard, I've heard a couple of rumors. I think Adam Johns had it at one point at the Athletic. And we've heard some rumors about Ted Phillips and Florio brought it up. I just lost the column. I had it right here. Florio yesterday said, Ted Phillips, uh, while we're in the Windy City, it makes sense to point out that team president may finally get blown out of town. Interesting line. Phillips has captained the ship since 1999, bringing Bears fans the likes of Phil Emery and Mark Trustman along the way. Blech. With limited success, only two seasons capped by postseason wins, 2006 and 2010. Who was the coach for those teams? See, who, co who coached the Bears in 2006 and 2010? Let's see. I'm trying to, I'm trying to jog, my, jog my memory here. I want, was it, he didn't have the beard at the time, did he? Is that why I don't recognize him? The answer is Lovey Smith. So the only two postseason wins that Ted Phillips has had since 1999, let's take that a step farther here, the only two postseason wins the Bears have had in my lifetime I was born in July of 98. They've both been under Lovey Smith, who got ran out of town in 2012 after a, what was it, a 10-6 season? I'm just saying, it's time for a change there, too. And we said that last year, too. They need to modernize the front office. 
Maybe they're going to do that. I'm not, I'll believe it when I see it. Because we know how the McCaskies operate. And speaking of that line, I was listening to 670 The Score this week, as I do every day when I'm working for On3 on the National News Desk. I'm listening to 670 The Score. They have Olin Krutz on for his regular hit. And he brings up how the McCaskies operate. And Olin Krutz is one of the best offensive linemen, one of the best centers in team history. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. And he said on the radio that he knows how this team operates because they offered him and Harry Heastan, the Bears and Harry Heastan, when he was the offensive line coach in 2018, offered him $15 an hour to work with the offensive lineman. Here's the full quote. The last time they offered me a job, they offered me $15 an hour. That's the way they do business. Those are the things that have to change. That revelation, that story, tells you so much about how things have gone. And then I guess Ryan Pace came up to Olin that next training camp and said, hey, I guess we could have done more to get you here, huh? You think? Speaking of Harry Heastan, Really happy for him. He's going back to Notre Dame as offensive line coach, which means Notre Dame's offensive line is going to be really good again. Not that it was bad this year, but that's a great hire for Marcus Freeman. I'm really happy. And I've got more Notre Dame talk maybe in the second half hour here because they had a really, really, really good week. But, yeah, this is how these guys operate. It is beyond time for change. And I'm not calling for an ownership change. I'm not naive enough to go out here and say, sell the team, because it's not going to happen. I can say they should, and I have said they should, but I'm not going to come out here and call for it, because it's not going to happen. Tomorrow, we're going to get a lot of clarity on this. But the Bears still have to play a football game in 40 minutes. Matt Nagy's last hurrah. Are they going to empty the bag of tricks? Are they going to have some fun? Well, I can tell you what I think they're going to go out there and try to do. They're going to go out there, at least if you ask Matt Nagy, they're going to go out there and they're going to play till the end. And I actually, I can't believe I waited this long to drop this, I have obtained audio from the pregame locker room of the Chicago Bears today of Matt Nagy's speech. And I'm going to play it for you right now. This is exclusive only to WLUW and the Sunday Sports Shootout. Win just one for the Kipper. That's it. I'm going to play, I'm going to play it again just for fun because I'm really proud of this. Win just one for the Kipper. That's exclusive, by the way. Just saying, you heard it here first. That's the vibes I'm getting here. I mean, my first thought when I heard Ian Rappaport's report today was my, my first thought was, oh, just go win one for the Gipper. Go win one for Matt. This is going to be a fun night and morning tomorrow. It'll be interesting. Bears-Vikings coming up at noon. Neither coach is going to be there next year. Mike Zimmer's on his way out the door, too. Oh, Jake Glazer's on Fox right now. As I have it up on my TV here. Jake Glazer has Matt Nagy and Mike Zimmer listed as out next year on his kind of coaching board, whatever he's calling this. He's also got Daryl Bevel out in Jacksonville, David Culley out in Houston. So you're hearing it from Rappaport and Jake Glazer, two of the, two of the most dialed-in guys in the NFL. I feel like I can never remember the character's name. I feel like Curly Bill in Tombstone. Well, bye. That's where I'm at with it. I'll have a prediction at the end of the show for this meaningless Bears-Vikings game. I do want to get to the Bulls very quick because I have a lot of Missouri Valley Conference thoughts. Because we had a good week of Missouri Valley Conference basketball this week, and we, I've got some 
There was some news that broke about conference additions. I've also got some thoughts on a potential addition and what I'm hearing from another reporter about said choice. So I'll get to that in about five, ten minutes. But briefly, if you haven't know, if you haven't noticed, if you don't know, if you haven't heard, the Chicago Bulls have won nine in a row. They are two and a half games up for first place in the Eastern Conference. They play a shorthanded Dallas Mavericks team tonight as they go for 10 in a row. That game tips off at 6.30 p.m. Bulls are playing well. DeMar DeRozan should be the MVP, in my opinion. He hit those buzzer beaters. He's come in clutch. He's, tur- he's helped turn this team around. The Bulls have won nine in a row, and they're the best team in town right now. They're the best story in town right now. However, I do remember, I remember back in, what was, what was that, August? When the Bulls got DeMar DeRozan. I sat here in this chair into this very microphone, and I told you, this team is a top four team in the Eastern Conference. At the very least, that's where my expectations are for this team, with the additions they made. Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan. The Bulls won seven straight games. Was it seven? I think they won seven straight games without Ball and Caruso, because Caruso's hurt and he's in health and safety protocols now. But they were without probably, no, not probably, they were without their two best defensive players. This team, you're hearing more and more national buzz about a playoff run. And the schedule is interesting coming up. They've got the Mavericks tonight. They've got the Pistons on Tuesday. Then they've got Brooklyn and Golden State and the Celtics and the Grizzlies and the Cavaliers and the Bucks. So the Pistons, it's going to be an easy-ish game, I'd say. Not, never, no game's easy in the NBA. But comparatively speaking, they've got the Pistons on Tuesday. Okay, then they've got the Nets on the second half of back-to-back. That worries me. Then they have Golden State. And then Boston on a back, that second half of back-to-back. Oh, man. Then they have Memphis and Cleveland, Milwaukee. So they've got a tougher stretch coming up here starting Wednesday. It won't be easy. I'm not saying they're going to win 20 games in a row. But yeah, the Bulls are in a good spot here. And it's been, they, they surprised most of the league, and I'm sitting here going, I told you so. I cannot believe I got their over or under for wins at 41 and a half. They've won 26. I, this doesn't happen to me. Usually I'll make a pick, and the over under be 41 and a half wins. I'll win like 32. I'm feeling good. As we hit the bottom of the hour, I do want to remind you that you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM, Chicago Sound Alliance, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm coming to you from beautiful, freezing, cold Dwight, Illinois. Be careful on the roads today, people. If you want to chime in, shoot me a Twitter DM at NickSchultz underscore 7 or respond to my tweet promoting the show. Before I move on to Missouri Valley, I forgot one Bears nugget, and this is kind of a big thing. This all started this week, and I completely forgot to write it down in my hastily written notes here. So, what day was that? Wednesday? Tuesday? Bruce Feldman at The Athletic and Fox Sports. He wrote a story that said Jim Harbaugh might be tempted to jump to the NFL from Michigan. And it's picked up steam all week. The Las Vegas Raiders have been listed as a destination, but Bruce went on with Rich Eisen. And he name-dropped the Bears as a potential destination. If you've listened to this show long enough, 
you know I'm not the biggest fan of Jim Harbaugh to the Bears. He had success in San Francisco, I understand that. I question his ability to win in big games. But I've written a lot about this for On3, because it's been a big story. Michigan's current coach, who is still under contract at Michigan, might entertain NFL offers. He apparently told a recruit that, he's pl- that he might, quote, entertain NFL offers. He got his coaching start with the Raiders in 02. The Bears obviously drafted him, and he played for the Bears into the early 90s. So as my dad likes to say, Jim Harbaugh is a bear. Because that's how the McCaskies work. I've tried and tried and tried. I've, I have tried to stay steadfast in my, I don't want Jim Harbaugh. Or I, I still, I'm going to stand by it. If I had to choose, I'm taking Brian Day at Ohio State. I mean, that is, I think that would be a home run higher if you can get him to go. It doesn't sound like there's interest there. Harbaugh's name has come up, as it usually does when the Bears are gearing up for a coaching search, but this came up before the Bears even fired their coach. So I've been thinking about it. And that's the worst thing that can happen to me as I start thinking. And I think, okay. Last year, if this was a year ago, I would be saying absolutely not. They went 2-4 and four last year. And he still had not beat Ohio State. And it is a stupid logic for me to say. But I guarantee you, this is how the McCaskies think too. If he can't beat Ohio State, what makes you think he can beat the Green Bay Packers? That is a stupid reason. But beating the Packers seems to be the end-all, be-all for the McCaskies. The biggest critique of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan is that he's never had a quarterback. I don't know how a former quarterback could not recruit a quarterback. Cade McNamara does the job. He's already. I think J.J. McCarthy can be something if he quits being used as a gimmick. Jim Harbaugh would have a quarterback in Chicago a proven quarterback who he knows well from those Ohio State games. So we wouldn't have to worry about that. He's got a good, solid running back in David Montgomery, who he can use well like he's used Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. I cannot believe I'm flipping on this. I'm starting to come around on the idea of Jim Harbaugh to the Bears, and I don't know if I like it. I don't think it would be a disaster. I don't think it would be bad, necessarily. With the San Francisco 49ers, who he took to a Super Bowl, where he inevitably lost to his brother because it was a big game. In his time with the Niners, he had a 44-19-1 record. 13-3, and 11-4-1. That was the year they went to the Super Bowl. 12-4. First in the NFC West, first in the NFC West, second in the NFC West. Then they went 8-8 eight and eight and 14. That's when they, how did they word it, mutually agreed to part ways. So he has done it at the NFL level, and I understand it was a a different game. I'm starting to come around on this. Blame my sister. She's the one who started debating this with me the other day. She knocked some sense into me and said, you're being ridiculous. And she's going to... I just gave her that satisfaction of giving her credit on the radio, but... I started getting my head on straight after that conversation because she kind of knocked some sense into me. Because she's a fellow sports management nut. That's her major. It was my minor. We talk sports all the time. 
And with the news of Vic Fangio's firing today, I want you to riddle me this. Think about this. Just I'm going to throw this out there. I want you to just think about it. I will not be on next week to talk about this. It's a planned day off. I'm going to be out of town. Bears head coach Jim Harbaugh. And if they can pull it off, Bears defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. Just hear me out. I I cannot believe I'm coming around on this. Matt Rensler, P1 Twitter follow, chimes in. Harbaugh could turn out okay, but it doesn't excite me. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I mean, I'm not fired up to listen to Jim Harbaugh because, I mean, he's, he's also, he's kind of weird. And I don't mean that's a bad thing. I mean, I'm weird too. But Jim Harbaugh, you listen to, like, he talks, he tells the stories about his dad and they were growing up and... They'll be driving, he and John are driving home with their dad from games, and his dad will randomly say, Who's got it better than us? No one, is what the kids say from the back. It's just, he's kind of quirky, but I kind of like him. But yeah, I'm starting to come around on this. So here, just, I'm going to leave you with that head coach defensive coordinator combo. We're going to revisit that in two weeks. Because next week I'm going to be in fabulous Las Vegas. Okay, I'm done talking Bears now. I promised I'm done. I want to get to the Missouri Valley because I have a lot. But I wanted to talk about Jim Harbaugh real quick because I wanted to just throw that out there. Okay, Missouri Valley. Murray State is joining the league. That was announced on Friday. We've heard the rumors. We've heard the reports. It, it was announced on Friday. Murray State is joining the Missouri Valley Conference July 1. I think that's a great addition. I said this last night. I did a YouTube and Twitter live with Josh Betts and Harry Schrader talking about this, and I said the same thing. It felt like not an if, but when that Murray State would join the Missouri Valley because I vividly remember when Valpo joined the league in 2017, Murray State was one of the campus sites that they visited. I have that on good authority. I still have the message from back then. They visited Murray State. Murray State was in the running for the Missouri Valley, and the Valley went with Valpo. So again, it felt like an, not an if, but when. And I think it's a great addition. I mean, I'm looking at it from a basketball standpoint. Joe Lenardi dropped his bracketology yesterday, and I had to write about it for on three, which is how I know it dropped yesterday. I know Belmont, which is joining the Valley next year. Belmont is in the running in the bracketology. And Murray State was not listed, but I know they've come and gone. They've shown up here and there on the bracketology this year. From a basketball standpoint, that's a good get. And there is a possibility that Murray State, Belmont, and Loyola could all be in the NCAA tournament. So, theoretically, you could have two teams that are joining the league and one team leaving the league in the NCAA tournament this year. I think it was a no-brainer. That said, you have 11 teams now. Who's going to be the 12th team? As soon as Loyola announced it was leaving the league, the first team that came to mind UIC. UIC was the first team that came to my mind when Loyola left because the Valley is losing its top market, the number three or number two market, depending on who you ask, in the country. UIC is an up-and-coming program. I am a huge Luke Yaklich guy, and not just because he's from LaSalle, Peru, which is like in my backyard, but still. He's got that program in a good spot right now after taking over for Steve McLean. And UIC's other athletics are good, too. They bring in a baseball team. They're in the heart of Chicago in the West Loop. They're a big school. They're a diverse school. you got to look at it from that standpoint, too. 
last night on that broadcast that Josh Harry and I did, Harry Schrader of the Valley Hoops Insider said he heard it from some. He said someone who should know is how he worded it that Valley officials visited UIC yesterday. Now we've heard scuttle about UT Arlington. Texas Arlington has been a school that the Valley has reportedly been interested in. UT Arlington would have the Dallas market. That's all well and good. The Dallas market is, that's a good market. I've been to Dallas. It's a nice city. You get to make it over to Dealey Plaza. But someday. I don't know if that would be a good replacement. And Pete Thamel at Yahoo reported there's interest with the WAC. So UT Arlington could be going to the WAC, which is good. That's a good fit. I just don't know why UIC wasn't the first name thrown out there. I mean, I, I said it, I did a Twitter broadcast with Kevin Sweeney of Sports Illustrated the night Loyola announced it was leaving for the 810. And I'm sitting there going, why are we not talking about Illinois-Chicago here? And finally, things started coming out, and Harry said last night, Valley officials have visited. So it sounds like there's interest. I think that should happen yesterday. I mean, that's how much of a no-brainer I think it is. You'd keep your market... And I brought this up last night, and I could be it could be a reach. But hear me out on this. If you're the Missouri Valley, you're looking for exposure. You're losing Loyola, your top program from a bat I'm look it's a basket I'm looking at this from as Steve Watson in the Atlantic Ten called it a basketball centric perspective. You're losing your top program in Loyola to the Atlantic 10. Better conference. I know Northwestern is not technically in Chicago. It's in Evanston, but still, they've got a Big 10 program. they got Big 10 teams. DePaul, whether you like DePaul or not, whether they're good or not, DePaul still plays in the Big East, and they've got the name recognition in town. Loyola's getting there. Especially when they jump to the Atlantic 10 and they're playing... Dayton, Davidson, all these teams in the Atlantic 10, you're gonna I think you're going to start hearing more about Loyola. Not that you're not hearing any right now, but I think you're going to start hearing more. So if you're UIC, you see these three teams, Northwestern, Loyola, DePaul. They're on the rise in terms of how people are talking about them, how much exposure they're getting. If the Flames can make the jump to the Valley, they could feasibly, once they start getting on the winning track, which I think they can under Luke Yaklich, they can ride those coattails and be part of the college basketball discussion in town. Let's also look at the pro teams. Look, the Bears are bad. I've beaten that dead horse already today. The Bears are bad. The Blackhawks are bad. The Bulls are the best story in town. I mean, people are talking about the Bulls like crazy, but still they're talking Bears right now. The Bulls are the best story in town, best team in town. Baseball is locked out right now, and I don't. This lockout might not end by the time UIC would join the league in July of 2023 or whatever. And I'm exaggerating, but you get my point. UIC can ride the coattails here and be part of that discussion of how great of a college basketball city Chicago is. Loyola DePaul was one of the best things to happen to Chicago from a college basketball standpoint. That was a fantastic game. And I know DePaul is not on the rise right now, Jonah, but they play in the Big East. And I think Tony Stubblefield is going to turn him around. Sorry, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen maybe next year, but he's going to turn him around. They've shown some good things this year. They haven't won in the Big East. My point is you've got these big-name conferences that people can talk about more because they're going to see more of these teams. If UIC can get in with the Valley and get those games on an NBC Sports Chicago. Get these games on ESPNU. Get these games on the CBS Sports Network. You're going to see how good of a college basketball city Chicago is. So if I'm the Valley, that's what I'm looking at. I have no insight of my own on UIC, but that's what I'm hearing from other reporters who are tuned in to the discussions. Now, let's talk about Loyola's game yesterday. Loyola Bradley, that was phenomenal. 
you saw the epitome of a Loyola Chicago game yesterday. Loyola Chicago will wear you down on defense, and then they'll play their game. Loyola was down 16 with 30 with 13.49 left to play in the second half. They battled back. They tied it up. They went to overtime. Loyola won the game. It was a true through-and-through through Loyola basketball game. It, we don't have to talk much about how Loyola does on defense because Drew Valentine was effectively their defensive coordinator last year. And the last few years, now he's the head coach. So the defense is going to be sustained. It's going to be very good. That was an amazing basketball game. And I was watching that at the tail end of my shift on the desk for on three. And I was trying to, I wrote, I had to write stories. I had to put them out on social media. I had that game on. I was tweeting during the game and I was trying to get my reactions in there. At one point, my dad yelled up to see if I was okay. <laughs> or maybe that was the Missouri State game the other day. I don't remember. There was one game I, I said something to the TV, and my dad thought something was wrong. It turned out it was just a big shot that I was reacting to. But that game yesterday is going to be how the Valley will be this year. And Lucas Williamson is going to make a strong case for that Larry Bird trophy. What he did yesterday, he did not score a single point in that first half. He ended the game with 20. He scored Loyola's last 10 points. He got it done on the defensive end as well. It was an all-around great game from Lucas. And we keep saying he is that dude. He is cold-blooded. We saw it freshman year that he could rise to the occasion. I'll never forget being at the American Airlines Center in Dallas. Loyola, Miami. Big game. Loyola, Loyola against an ACC team. 12 seed, 5 seed. It was Or 11 seed versus 60. Whatever they were. I think it was 11 seed versus 6 seed. It was awesome. And little freshman Lucas Williamson on Lonnie Walker, who was one of Miami's best players. He was playing great defense. He knocked the ball out of Lonnie Walker's hands. It hit Walker's leg, went out of bounds. Loyola got it back. It changed the game. And he gave me an amazing answer after that game because I was the first one to go up to him. I had, I had a class with Lucas. It was 12-5. Okay. I can, why can't I? I, need, I had too small a cup of coffee today. But... Still, that game rings out in my head. And in that locker room, I was the one that went to Lucas first because I had a class with Lucas. I know Luke, I knew Lucas well, so I went up to him. We were talking, and he actually... Yeah, see, I thought it was 11-6, Jonah. And I went up to Lucas, and we're talking, and he actually used me as the example. He was kind of like using me as the dummy, as Lonnie Walker. And he's like, yeah, I, went, I, I cut in, and when you cut, you just got to find the ball. I... I I should have pulled the audio. He's like, I cut in, and when you cut in, you just got to guess where the ball is going. I just guessed right. And it was a perfect breakdown. We have seen Lucas Williamson step up in big moments over the years. And I think back to that game in Dallas as kind of his coming out party. We're like, okay, this kid can be something. Look at him now. Steve Timble of Skyway Chicago writes in, Nick, I think Tate Hall changed the momentum yesterday during the big comeback. Thoughts? Yes. That's where Tate Hall is valuable. I know we can talk about his offense. He was all-conference after transferring in from Indianapolis that first year. Since then, he's kind of regressed a little bit. But he still gets it done on the hustle plays. Every game, especially every close game, Tate Hall is on the ground fighting for loose basketballs. He's in the trenches on those offensive rebounds, battling the big guys. He comes up with the big plays when they need him. It doesn't show up in the box score. And I don't know how much he'll get recognized for it down the road. But yes, Tate Hall was a huge part of that game yesterday. I can't tell you the amount of times I sat there going, wow, that a boy Tate. You have to watch the games to see Tate Hall's impact. You cannot see that in a box score. But yes, I agree, Steve. Tate Hall, he helped change the momentum yesterday. It helped that Lucas caught fire, too. Ahir Ugwak is having a great year, too. At one point, I want to say he was 6-for-6 six six from the field. And this is a cool stat. Coming into yesterday's game, in... Loyola's last 19 games against teams from Illinois, 
they were 19 and 0. Yesterday made it 20 and 0 in their last 20 games against teams from Illinois. That includes that Sweet Six or that Sweet 16, that round of 32 victory over the Illini last year. Yeah, and Steve writes back in. He writes in some some examples of big plays from Tate yesterday. The feed to Chris Knight, who had a double double yesterday. Awesome game from Chris Knight, who's shooting eighty percent from the field. By the way, we're going to talk about that in a second. Those two clutch layups. Yes, he had a couple clutch layups and the loose ball in OT. Yeah. Yeah, Tate Hall had a very good game yesterday. Now let's talk about Chris Knight. Before I talk to another Ivy League newcomer, the Loyola has this year. Chris Knight is shooting 80% from the field. He had 14 points and 11 rebounds yesterday. He had a great game. Now, this is a guy who, along with Ryan Schwieger, did not play last year. The Ivy League did not play basketball last year. So these guys had a year off. They're coming in, and they're making an impact. Chris Knight is their leading, he's their leading shooter. He's the best shooter, 80%, although he did miss a three-pointer this year. 44 or 55 from the field. He also was averaging 2.9 boards a game and 7.7 points a game. He had a fantastic game yesterday. But the name I want to talk about now is Ryan Schwieger. Ryan Schwieger came in from, from Princeton. Chris Knight was at Dartmouth. But Ryan Schwieger has come off the bench every game. He has not started a game this year for Loyola. He is their leading scorer with 12.5 points a game. Lucas Williamson's right behind at 12.1. I put out a poll yesterday on Twitter, and it's got 167 votes already, which is crazy. I don't know if I've ever had that many votes in a poll. I said, we'll do this again later in the year, which we're going to. Right before Arch Madness, I'm going to ask the same thing. If you had to choose right now, who is the newcomer of the year in the Missouri Valley? 74% of those votes... Out of 167 votes, so let's do the math. About 123, 124 people out of 167 voted for Ryan Schwieger. He is a great addition. He's fit in well, and I, I talked about this a couple times on Twitter and last night on the broadcast. He has a very funky shot and what I mean by that you watch him shoot a basketball it is a weird shooting stroke he's got but he makes it work I think it's tough to defend is what makes it work he's my pick for newcomer of the year especially I mean right now I'd probably say six man of the year as well leading scorer off the bench six man of the year Ryan Schwieger right now now we got a lot of games left we've got a month and a half here at least month and a half until the regular season's done. But right now, Ryan Schwieger is the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, Jonah asks a really good question here. What's their eligibility situation like? Do they get an extra year because the Ivy League didn't play last season? So with the eligibility, we talked last year about the seniors taking the COVID year. Krutwig, Williamson, Hall, Ugwa, Clemens. Who Clemens was a non-factor in yesterday's game. I think that was a matchup thing. But we talked about the seniors getting the COVID year. That extra year applies to everybody from last year. It applies to Marquise Kennedy. It applies to Braden Norris. It applies to Jacob Hudson. It applies to everybody. So... I believe last year would essentially be a wash. I would have to check on it. I don't know that for sure. But based on what the NCAA said with the eligibility for the COVID year, everybody should get another year. It's almost like last year happened on the record books, but it didn't happen in your eligibility. Does that make sense? I will double check on that, though. Uh, Steve chimes back in, all hail the Ivy. Ryan and Chris may not have been on the top of people's recruitment list, but they've been this year's most valuable additions. I agree 110%. This is going to be a long season. I'm going to be posting that video of Barry Hinson all the time. Because it's going to be a roller coaster this year. There are, we are, some teams are four games in, some games are three games in. There are two undefeated teams in the Missouri Valley right now. It's Loyola and Southern Illinois. 
It is going to be a really fun year. Arch Madness is going to be insane. I'm hoping to make the trip down. And to clarify, Jonah, that is a I don't I don't know for sure if they're done after this year. So I, I will double check on it though. But from what I'm seeing, because they're both listed on the roster, let me pull that up real quick before I jump back over to Bears for one final prediction of the year. Schwieger is listed as a senior. Knight is listed as a senior. I believe they would be done after this year. I'm not sure on that, though. I will, I will double-check. But, man, I can't wait for Arch Madness already. Like I said, I'm hoping to make the trip down. Kind of working out a couple things here. I got to find out what the media situation is. But that's going to be a fun weekend no matter what. All right, we got one final Bears game today. Bears-Vikings, the game that means literally nothing. Oh, yeah, we got Gus Johnson on this game. He just came up my TV. Sweet, we got a Gus Johnson to keep to league game today. This is great. It's my favorite football announcer right now. Oh, man, this game's going to mean nothing, but he's going to be out there screaming like an idiot. I love it. I can't wait. Okay, that just got me fired up to actually watch. I wasn't going to watch much of this, but I think I'm going to watch a little bit. All right, a meaningless game today. Nagy's last hurrah. Zimmer's last hurrah. I don't know. Let's get nuts. I'm going to say 24-20 Bears. I don't know. Are the Bears going to actually score 20 points? I don't know. But I'm, I'm just going to say 24-20 Bears just for fun. It sounds like there's going to be some trick plays because Nagy's just going to empty the playbook because it's his last game. What does it matter? And I've got a bonus prediction here. Tomorrow is the national championship. It is the college football playoff national championship between number one, Alabama, number three, Georgia. It's going to be a good game, 7 o'clock p.m. Central on ESPN. I figured, you know what, this game doesn't matter. Let's do a prediction for the national championship. Before I get to that, did Andy Dalton shave? Make that 27-20, Bears, by the way, because Andy Dalton shaved. Okay, my point. National championship tomorrow. Last I checked, Georgia was a two-and-a-half point favorite. I I've thought about this and I'm still back and forth. I've, I've got it I've got it written down right here and I'm still back and forth on it. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think that two and a half point spread is accurate. I think it's going to be Alabama 27-24. And I say that because I cannot bet against Nick Saban and Bryce Young. I think Alabama wins outright. I think it's going to be a close game because Georgia's going to hopefully adjust a little bit after what happened in the SEC championship game last month. I'm taking Alabama tomorrow. And I know my dad's not going to like that because he's a Georgia fan. But thinking realistically, I cannot go against Bryce Young and Nick Saban. And Kirby Smart cannot coach in a big game, especially when it's against Nick Saban. He's 0-4 all-time against Nick Saban. He's a different coach against Saban and Alabama. So I'm taking Alabama. I think that I think it's going to be close, but I thought the SEC championship game was going to be close, and that game was 41-24. So that's what I'm going with tomorrow in the national championship. Okay, programming note. Next week, I'm not going to be here. My One of my friends is having a birthday. We're going out to Las Vegas next weekend. I will not be on the show. It's going to be a fun weekend. I will be back the week after. We will be talking Bears coaching search. Hopefully we're talking Bears GM search. We're going to talk more Valley. We're going to talk more Bulls. We're going to have a full slate. We're going to have NFL playoffs as well. There's going to be a lot going on in the next couple of weeks. I really expect Matt Nagy to be done after today. It sounds like that is the consensus. We're going to see when that firing happens. I'm curious to watch the press conference today too and see if we get short and sweet answers, if we get like a Mark Trestman where he just kind of rambles on and on and on, or if it's John Fox where he answers two questions with, oh, the NFL just tells me I'm going to be here. 
I would say enjoy the Bears game, but it doesn't mean anything. So enjoy the national championship tomorrow. Enjoy Valley play the next couple weeks. I will be I will see you back here in two weeks here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. Have an awesome week, everybody. Take care. We'll get you back to your music here on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, Chicago, Chicago Sound Alliance. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>